Welcome to KMM's podcast, Mobility Matters. I am your host today, Arlene Holt, and I am joined here by my fellow co-host, Bill Neary. Hi, Bill. Hi, how are you, Arlene? Today on our podcast, we will be speaking with Karen Alexander of the New Jersey Travel Independence Program, also known as NJ Tip. Welcome, Karen. Hi. I guess my first question, Karen, is tell us a little bit about your background and oh, where sure. you um, so, Bill, I've been the managing director of NJ Tip at Rutgers for a little over nine years. Um, and prior to taking that role, um, I did a fair amount of work in helping older adults stay independent, aging in the community. Prior to that, I've worked in accessible public transportation since the beginning of the ADA at New York City Transit, New Jersey Transit, um, New York City DOT. And all of that work comes together in the work that we do at NJTIP. And NJTIP is part of Blaustein Rutgers Warhees Transportation Center. Yes, you correct? got all of the names right. <laughs> well, I was going to use the, the, the letters, but that confuses even more people. Yeah, NJTIP at Rutgers is within the, the Voorhees Center at the Blaustein School. And um, the Voorhees Transportation Center provides support to transportation programming, research, development, not only NJ Tip, but uh, complete streets and safe routes to schools, and planning and research work related to transportation disadvantaged populations, mobility management. It's a pretty extensive portfolio, and NJ Tip is pleased to have been part of it for the last nine years. Did NJ Tip always start with Rutgers, or was it brought to Rutgers? How did that relationship begin? Well, um, NJ Tip actually started as a pilot program in 2005 sponsored by New Jersey Transit. Folks at Access Link um, thought that there may be folks going through the Access Link eligibility process that with some coaching might be able to use the fixed route system. And they went to find an organization that could create a pilot to implement that kind of training. And that was the first incarnation of NJTIP, an organization called Enable um, with a company called Small and Associates created that pilot, implemented the pilot from 2005 to 2007, and 49 people were successfully transitioned, um, being able to use the fixed route system that otherwise would have been on Access Link. Those results were strong enough that NJ Tip um, Inc. got created as a nonprofit with New Jersey Transit contracting with NJ Tip Inc. to continue that work. And then in 2013, that little nonprofit became part of Rutgers University when it joined the Voorhees Transportation Center. So um, we've been around for 17 years in one incarnation or another, but the last nine years and change, we've been at Rutgers. Well, I think the important parts, of course, is what you actually do. I mean, all your <laughs> history has shown it's successful, but the idea behind it is to help people understand mass transit usage. I mean, that's kind of a simple way of explaining it, but lots of us don't know what to do to get on a bus or get on a train or buy a ticket or all the things. So that's pretty much your program. If you can explain Correct. a little bit more how that works. Correct. Sure. I'd be happy to. Um, you know, it's funny. If you grow up in New York City, the thing you need to learn to do is drive, right? Because you learn how to use the public transit system just even to go to school. If you grow up in New Jersey, the thing you need to learn is to how to use the transit system because we live in a state where most people or many people drive to most of the places that they go. And there's actually 
27 different skills, not just in New Jersey, but anywhere that you need to have some fluency with to be able to use public transportation safely and independently. And the model that we use for NJTIP uh, uses those 27 skills to guide the training. And those are skills that include things like being on the vehicle, knowing how to identify the right bus, train, or rail station or stop, um, knowing how to behave in terms of being on a bus or on a train and interacting with the conductor or the operator and, of course, other riders. Um, things like knowing how to react to unexpected occurrences. What happens when the bus has a diversion? What happens when the train is delayed or doesn't come? All of those little pieces add up to 27 different skills that we teach one-on-one uh, -on -one to individuals that get referred to us both by AccessLink. We still have a strong relationship with AccessLink now for a very long time. For the last five years, we've also accepted referrals from the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation Services for people that need training so they can go to work. And they also fund us to train people individually to um, be able to get the travel skills they need either to look for work or to maintain a job when they don't have a car to drive back and forth to work. We also train people in group settings. So we'll go to a classroom and do an overview of this transit system and how it works, and then come back and take a group of students or older adults or community members or library patrons, all kinds of different groups um, on a short trip uh, on the transit system so that they can have the experience of, for many of them, being on transit for the first time. For many people, the first time is the scariest time. The first time of anything is the scariest time in any context. We're built that way as humans, right? We're trepidatious about the unknown. So we make it known. And in some cases, depending on who we're training, that's sometimes enough for people to just go forward and continue to use. Um, but often when we're working with people with disabilities, there's other issues in terms of other skills that need to be uh, bolstered for them to be able to get confident to do it independently. It's interesting when you talk about 27 skills that are needed to use tra mass transit. As a kid, I grew up living in New Jersey, but visiting my grandparents and family in Manhattan. So being able to utilize mass transit to get around the city and drive, it was like both of them were second nature to me. You became now, bilingual. I, yeah, I became <laughs> transit bilingual. And, um, but now as I, you know, live in a more car, have a car centric lifestyle, I, getting into transit and using mass transit is kind of intimidating to me. And so thinking about what people who are, you know, a lot of the seniors and people who are, have disabilities, and what that means to them, I'm sure it's that much more difficult. How do you help them overcome those obstacles and those sure. feelings of you know, inadequacy with transit? So you know, it's different when we're working with somebody one-on-one -on -one versus working with a group. Because when we're working with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, there's a one-on-one -on -one intake process where we identify what the strengths are that that person has that we can sort of leverage into their training, right? If they're somebody who can read signs easily and communicate verbally easily and um, has walked around their neighborhood and is very familiar with their neighborhood and comfortable in their, in their outdoor environment, 
all of those are things that we can use in training. And so when we train people individually, we're assessing them for how much of this do they already have and how much can we build on? When we do group training, the sort of secret sauce is we're using the strength of a social environment. I'm not doing this by myself. I'm doing this with people I know, either from my classroom or my community or my senior center. And I'm going out with trained folks who are explaining everything along the way. And to some degree, the destination is sort of, um, it, it, it's secondary, although it doesn't feel that way to the people who are taking the trip. You know, where they're going is not what's so important. The journey is what's important. We're teaching them the journey skills. But if we say we're going to take you to Trader Joe's, well, then they'll be, okay, I'll go on that. Or we're going to go, you know, to Hoboken and you can go have coffee and you're an older adult living in Bergen County. Like that's an adventure. So we pick our destinations that are transit accessible um, in part to attract um, the folks who are coming. And sometimes depending on the group, in that first class, we'll give them a choice of a few different places that are transit accessible and they decide where they're gonna go. Um, so, you know, along the way, they have the experiences that build the skills. And by the time you do a trip with a group of friends, one way, have an experience and go back, all of a sudden it doesn't seem so scary anymore. And if you're doing it in a community setting, you may have another friend that went with you that can go with you the next time. So whether we're training individuals and they're scanning their community for what we call a natural helping network. If you're always getting on the same bus, that operator is going to at least know you by sight. And that's somebody that you can sort of interact with and count on in the environment. Or if it's group training, you're going with people that you know, so that you could repeat the behavior and have company doing it. Um, both of those things make it less scary. Arlene's experience with mass transit is far more than mine. And so I can understand the fear factor. And if you have other issues beyond just not understanding your 27 skills, it's an important part. We know also the changes in technology and the, the COVID epidemic, all those type of things have had a major impact on transportation in general, transit particularly. And have you seen any changes or problems that that might have to address differently than we did before? Sure. Um, so I think it's been interesting, you know, the pandemic, gave all of us the opportunity in all kinds of dimensions to modernize what we do, whether we wanted to or not, right? We, it was pivot or die. For NJ Tip, what that meant was a lot of the things that we used to do in person at the beginning, we moved to doing virtually via Zoom or WebEx or Google Meet, including some of our intake processes and some of our like sign-offs, like you know the release of liability and stuff and all the paperwork that you do before training. All of that became digital, which actually saved us a lot of time and made it much more efficient to get people started in training because we didn't have to go to their house with a piece of paper and have them sign it or have them send something in the mail. We also took a lot of the material that we show everybody and we created virtual and remote training that we could do online. So I can my travel trainers can walk you through how do you use the New Jersey Transit website by doing it on Zoom and sharing a screen, as opposed to standing next to you on a smartphone and trying to do that. Um, and that's also been made us more efficient. The other piece in terms of technology is that transit in New Jersey and across the country has also been able to augment its features. So for example, on New Jersey Transit, you can now look on your smartphone to see how full your bus or 
rail car is. So that if you're concerned about social distancing, you know, maybe I'm gonna wait for the next bus because that one's not as full as this one um, or the next train because that one's not as full as this one. That kind of ability to give customers more real-time information, I think also has come out of the pandemic. So while I, you know, we're always looking for silver linings in this in situations that we find ourselves in. For us, it's created efficiency and the ability to train all over the state virtually, which we couldn't do with such a small team prior to the pandemic. I didn't have the reach geographically. And now if somebody wants to be oriented to transit, well, we won't necessarily take them out on the bus and do the one-on-one -on -one training. We can at least do virtual training and make sure they get some familiarity with how to plan a trip, how to use the New Jersey Transit website, make sure they get a reduced fare card application in if they're eligible for that. We can do all of that virtually. And that's very exciting in terms of reaching more people with a small team. Have you noticed any learning curves for your clients as far as technology is concerned, like getting onto that Zoom and finding that app? And how do you work through that? Sure. Um, well, you know, my team, when, when the pandemic started, ranged in age from 30s to 60s. So we had our own challenges yeah. <laughs> inside of our team. And we were using the platform WebEx, which is what Rutgers adopted early in the pandemic, and then it moved to Zoom. Um, so we had our own technology curve that we had to master pretty quickly. Yeah. I, mean, I think WebEx is so much more difficult than just logging in with the link to Zoom. So I can understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that we learned um, early in the pandemic is you want to meet people where they are. So if somebody knows Google Meets or if somebody wants to use FaceTime or if somebody wants to use Facebook, I mean, we'll meet them on the platform that they're most comfortable on. And which meant we had to learn all those platforms. Um, generally speaking, we use Zoom because that's what you know most people seem to have gravitated to. So there was an initial you know challenge in terms of learning the technology, and then the other challenge was creating the content because we're not content creators. So um, that was you know going onto the web and finding virtual visits of places that were transit accessible that we could then adapt into virtual field trips. Wow. So um, we found places that had already posted like virtual tours and we incorporated that into our training. And in some cases we sent people out with GoPros and created our own virtual visit to something. And that That's was- impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's um, that our virtual and remote field trips were actually featured in the Association of Travel Instructions National Conference Excellent. in 2020, uh, which they did virtually. <laughs> so. Well, as somebody who fondly remembers being 60, okay, I have I can tell you that the technology advancements that we use at KMM has also done similar things. I mean, the, the, the staff has done taking us to places we never went before and seeing things and doing things we never did. So there is certainly advantages to it. Disadvantages yeah, I, everybody knows about. But the advantages I, and the ability to do these things makes things so much easier to, to reach out. I think the other thing that's been very surprising for many people, because um, I also do a, some of my work related to virtual public involvement and virtual public engagement. And when you look at the statistics among people over the age of 65 and the adoption of technology in the last three years, it's absolutely startling <laughs> how much of an uptake there's been and I don't think anything other than the pandemic would have been able to engender that. Smartphones have become relatively ubiquitous 
And you may not have fast internet, but having some sort of a computer in the home, even among households with people over the age of 65, is pretty prevalent at this point. Um, and that just wasn't the case three years ago. Uh, you know, just those numbers have been really have skyrocketed. So there's still issues in terms of training and access. No question. Does this help you with the crystal ball, perhaps for the next couple of years? What do you think? You know, I think what's going to happen in terms of the crystal ball question is, as I said, some of these technologies about how full is my bus, real time arrival information, all of that's going to make it uh, easier for people to use transit in real life. At the same token, I think the blend of virtual versus physical connectivity is going to continue. And so we're going to see that um, getting there is going to be both in a physical sense, but increasingly people getting the skills to get there virtually to things that may be far away or inconvenient or ill-timed, right? I mean, we're already seeing that in terms of public involvement uh, numbers being much higher when people can attend something by Zoom in some cases than if they physically had to go there. So I think we're going to adapt to that as well in terms of what my team does. They've developed, you know, they've had to develop technology skills. I think we'll continue to impart those as part of what we do with travel training and that those will also be generalizable. I mean, one of the things that we find is that the people that get one-on-one -on -one training in our sort of classic, you know, one-on-one -on -one program about 60 to 70% when we follow up with them, tell us not only are they still using transit, but they've also learned new routes or new modes. So we know the skills generalize, right? People adapt them in other ways and that will continue to happen. You know, we had 27 skills for a very long time. And since the pandemic, we've added things like social distancing and being cognizant of the people around you in terms of safety protocols. Um, just because you learn to do that in transit means you then can use it in the rest of your life and you can use it in the rest of your life for the rest of your life. So oh, good things. Yeah. So we see that we've been doing this a while. So we know that people learn one set of skills through travel training, but then if you know how to get to the bus on time, you know how to get to work on time. <laughs> well, Karen, I think you got it right. And it's, and summing up, I think, uh, as our population ages and all these services have to be modified, I think uh, the apprehension that we face can be relieved by a lot of the work you're doing and we with hope the, so. the technology assistance. So I, I think you're on the right track with a lot of these things. And it's great that we have these kind of services we can provide to people. Thank you. Karen. And we're happy to, you know, anyone who wants to reach out to us at NJTIP at Rutgers, we're on the web. And there's a very brief two and a half minute video that'll give you a clear picture of what we do if you have more questions. I actually saw that video and I definitely recommend everybody check it out because it was very moving and informative. Um, and we've worked with you in the past and we will in the future. You've done a great job with that. Thanks. So just to clarify, your service area is all of New Jersey? Specific counties have specific kinds of programmatic funding in them based on our relationship with the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation Services and New Jersey Transit and federal grant money that supports our core operations. However, in many cases, we're able to provide at least virtual support to folks that wanna learn more about how to use the transit system, uh, regardless of where they are in the state. Our services are focused in the areas where public transit is focused. 
our mission is to increase the independence and self-reliance of people with disabilities and older adults and others by teaching them how to use the fixed route public transit system. Um, so that's where our services are most concentrated in terms of in-person onboard training. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. We look forward to uh, working with you in the future. And KMM will post the link to the NJTIP website for more information. You can reach out to Karen Alexander at NJTIP and we'll have some more information. We're looking forward to working with you, Karen, as we assist Middlesex County commuters continue to utilize the uh, transit in Middlesex County. Thank you well, so much for your time. Thank you. And as a proud Metuchenite, I'm thrilled to work with KMM. Thank you so much again for your time. My pleasure. Funded by the North Jersey Transportation Planning Authority and the Federal Highway Administration.